Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. This week is no exception as we roll into pff, 219, pro- pro- probably, maybe, I don't know where Audio we are. Audio gremlins, you know, which is a phrase that we brought out first. Audio gremlins. I, we, we've lost a few along the way, but we have made over 200 podcasts for your listening pleasure to tickle that fine part of the inner ear the place that only sorry in my seat can reach we, that's that's doctor guaranteed that pit your stomach that's the, that's the only place we can reach that's it and that itch on your ass <laughs> that you can't get rid of that's we, us we are the itchy ass of the <laughs> podcast world uh, if this is your first time, welcome. We get around the mics each week to talk about a different movie topic or film within films. We've covered everything from directors, specials to uh, certain actors. We've looked at the box office. We've looked at blockbusters. We've looked at everything along the way, leaving no stern, stone unturned on the quest to find the greatest of all time. We've just finished our horror season. Last week, we did a monster mashup. We looked at the old universal monsters right the way back from the 1920s. Who would win in a modern day battle royale between them? But we've also done Halloween quizzes. We've done all sorts of late. This week, going back to our roots, we're just going to touch base. What films have we been watching? A little bit of a review, mm. a bit of film chit-chat. Just a nice way to hopefully entertain your commute, your dog walk, maybe your gym session. However you're listening, thank you. Don't forget to leave a like and a review. It means the world to us. We appreciate it. We appreciate it a lot. You know, you, other podcasts are available, but you choose to stick with us and we love you for that. Thank you. you. Go you. Yeah, you think you know you're listening to this right now. You're all right. Has anyone told you this? You're looking great today. You lost weight. Oh God, them shoes really suit you. I don't know what you've done to your eyes, but they are sparkling. Sparkling. Yeah, Honestly, yeah, I'm mate. so distracted right now. I don't. I can't even think. Yeah. Who am I? Oh my God. Those Any, eyes. Oh my God. You want so bashful? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen. Fucking. <laughs> 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 it's a weird start. Yeah. Maybe we should start that way. Just, just absolute drain. <laughs> The ball's dry of just, 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 just emotional blackmail to keep if, you listening. If you don't listen to this show, we'll drown for it. <laughs> An angel loses oh, its wings. And your shoes, great. <laughs> Spot on. And them eyes are sparkling. Yeah, they are. Thank you so much for downloading. Leave a little review. Tell your friends. Do uh, enjoy this episode. I've got three films to talk about. Okay, that's good. So I've got Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Oh my God. New on uh, Netflix, which is inspired by the Stephen King shorts. The Good Nurse, which has just come out again on Netflix, starring Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne. Oh my God. And I've also seen I Came By. Oh, which one I came by? That's the one I... Did I review this a few weeks ago? I have seen it. I don't know if I... I don't don't think we talked about it. Maybe I didn't review it then. But I have seen it, so we can talk about that. I've got those three, and I've also been watching the Guamero del Toro um, Cabinet of Creature... Cabinet of Curiosity 8 part drama thing you know and then yeah. one of my story boys last you know last week when i was talking about we was, we was talking about like dracula and the invisible man and the monster frankenstein's monster and the mummy and you know putting all these into like a battle royale hmm. scenario del toro's got to yeah, direct that obviously do you know what i mean and then it's gold brutal ass kicking of mythical creatures can only be directed by the master of yeah. the mythical creature. That's it. But then he might also make Gilman, the creature from the Black Lagoon, win because oh, of yeah, his fascination would, yeah. with Shape of Water. I'm going to here's something here, right? Your, your mates with Gilmore, you're like, oh, you're right, mate. And he says, I had a nightmare last night. I'm leaving the room. <laughs> Just like, mm. I'm leaving, goodbye. Because you've seen his imagination on a good day and he creates that stuff. Imagine if you woke up in the middle of the night, it's like, someone's just giving me nightmares. I'm leaving you, Gilmore. Yeah. Your wife is like, I've divorced you. <laughs> goodbye mm. forever. Yeah. 
That, yeah, maybe that is true. Yeah. What scares the scare creators? Well, less, the horror masters. What yeah. gives John Carpenter's nightmares? Oh my God. What, what, what thing has happened in Stephen King's life to make him petrified of everything? And which Adam Sandler movie was it? <laughs> Hubie Halloween, mate. Definitely. It was definitely Hubie That's Halloween. nightmares for everyone, forever. Um, what have you seen, James? What do you want to talk about today? Well, I've been to the big screen, mate, and I've seen Dwayne The Rock Johnson finally in a superhero film with Black Adam. God, 12 uh, years in the making. I know. I've also then went to Amazon for their latest release of Catherine Called Birdie. It's a small, elegant piece. Yeah. And um, I've also been watching uh, Netflix's new release, All Quiet on the Western Front, the war, Germany, Germany war, anti-war film. That's, I was going to watch that this week and I I, I went for the goodness, but yeah, I did hover on it. I'm interested to hear what you say and maybe I should go back and watch it. Depending on what you say, yeah, James. Well, let's find out. What you say, I find gospel sometimes. Oh, yeah. Not always. Not you always. can always hit the nail on the head sometimes. Sometimes. Remember that time when you recommended Light Mayo? Won't forgive you. But some of the films you've recommended... I think you're a pretty good judge of character in film, I, so... I would never recommend Light Mayo. I know, I know you wouldn't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, you know, what I like, you know, I like to go on these things. I like to go on these these epic encounters. But I'll just mm. be like, do you know what, I'll watch, I'll watch here. <laughs> just, you know, 4,000 million episodes of Are you still watching Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> no, I never do that. It ends for me at the end of Series 3, mate, I've told you. Mm. At the end of Series 3, when I think he dies, so does my interest. <laughs> and move on. Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. So, Doctor Who. So, I fell off... I fell off when, not because they changed sex of the Doctor, because I couldn't give a toss. Careful. Because, no, no, I mean, I didn't care that they changed the sex of the Doctor. So, like, they are a shape-shifting alien. You with know, two hearts. With two hearts. Oh, my God. The, the fact, two breasts. The fact, the fact that they can change sex or change skin tone is apparently, is apparently too much for some people. So, but I just never got into them because I thought the episodes were no longer campy. They were well stylized. I didn't think the writing was very good. Mm. However, her time... Oh, my God, I haven't mentioned the name of her. Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker's time has come to an end and she has left. She's left the TARDIS. She's time to move on to bigger and better things, which she will. She's a phenomenal actress. Mm. Good for her. I watched it. And I watched it and I had no context of what's going on because I haven't seen the series since like her first outing. I liked the Rosa Parks episode, which I think was the first or the second one. After that, dog shit. I'm sorry, they were awful. They were bad writing, bad storytelling, in my opinion. And people out there like it, good for you. Mm. Russell T. Davis, who kickstarted it with Christopher Eccleston, is coming back. A lot of new ideas. They've announced a new Doctor. There's not a person in this world, not a person in this world that saw the end of this episode. And there are spoilers, but it's been two weeks now, so I'm going to say it. David Tennant returning to the role as the Doctor mm. as shocked little Britain to its core. And I can say, with a hand on my heart, has re... Oh, wait a minute. Regenerated my interest in the series. <laughs> I know that you stopped watching Doctor a while ago. I think probably around Matt Smith's era. Uh, yeah, I... Um... I did. I saw. I saw the tenants. I think I saw the Eccleston's. I like the Eccleston's. So, so I like David Tennant. But you know, when everyone talks about David Tennant being the best, that mm. actually irritates me because I thought Chris Eccleston did a really good job bringing it back. Mm. I do think he kind of only had to last one series though, because then you could get into it. But I genuinely think that the writing of Tennant wasn't as good as everyone makes out. And Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi were fucking underrated. I, I love Capaldi. I, I miss the Capaldi, and I want to watch him. I did. I did. I wasn't like boycotting or anything like that. I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't catch him. And same it with Jodie. It was a weird time as well because Jodie Whittaker was also at the same time where I stopped, I just stopped watching TV on Saturdays. Mm. You know, we'd go out. Uh, I'm a big fan of hers as well. Like, yeah. I, I like, I Broad remember Broadchurch right, yeah. watching that and thinking, God, she's phenomenal. She could, you know, she's a very emotional part in that. Um, and she can turn it on. And through three seasons, she carried that character really, really well. 
big, big fan of hers. Um, I I saw online that Tennant was back, and I know he'd gone to film because it was an anniversary one, but isn't the new Doctor the Cootie Gatwa? It is, but that's who everyone was expecting. Now, everyone knew that Tennant was coming back for a for the like of the anniversary. Assume, they've done it in the past. Uh, he came back from Matt Smith episode where they also introduced John Hurt as the war doctor, yeah. the doctor during the time war. Sorry, I don't want to get too much into it. So everyone thought he was just coming back for an episode. The fact that Jodie Whittaker has generated into the doctor and Russell T. Davis has said he is the next doctor has basically, if the fandom is rabid. Everyone demands to know what's going on. I want to know what's going on. I haven't seen it for so long. So I'm back in the I'm back in the TARDIS, mate. I've just finished Christopher Eccleston series one. Loved it. Mm. Campy, brilliant, my sort of thing. Going to give Jodie Whittaker a try this time. I'm, I'm not going to lash out and say, "Do you want to do it?" It was too polished. I know it sounds really stupid. I really I liked my TARDIS. The graphics a bit cheesy and a bit crap. Mm. I thought it was too polished. That's not fair. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going through them. But to me, there's something about I like Tennant, but Matt Smith did a really good job as a young actor portraying a really old man. And Peter Capaldi did a really good job as an old actor portraying a young at heart doctor. And I really like Peter Capaldi. He's a great actor. The reason I bring this up is I'm in a Capaldi wave, mate. So I'm watching Doctor Who. Have you seen on Amazon The Devil's Hour? No. Because it's a bit of you. Is it good? I look, I'm only one episode in. I watched it with Esther. Esther was like, we're making this a thing. This is going to be something we watch together. And then she went to bed, the bitch. And I was like, but I want to watch episode two. It's short, isn't it? It's only like four episodes or something. I believe there's six episodes. Oh, is there? And they're all out. And one episode in, and Peter Quality has been on screen, not physically, you heard his voice for 30 seconds. It was a tour de force of greatness. And it's all held up together by Jessica Rain, who I'd never really seen anything before. And I spent ages going, where do I know her from? Who is she? No, 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 mate. I'm going to tell you now. You've definitely seen her recently. In Line of Duty, Series 2, when someone throws her out a window. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's fucking brilliant in this. She sees these hallucinations. She's got this weird relationship with the sun. Like she wakes up at 3.33 mm. every night. It's called The Devil's Hour. Called that straight away. It's like, it's called The Devil's Hour. Her kid's just staring at her. Mate, is it supernatural? Is it scary? You know, is there a serial killer? It's brilliant. Devil's Hour, Amazon. Yeah. You'd love it. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch that. I, I, yeah, she was in uh, Call of the Midwife as well. I remember watching season two of Call of Duty and I was like, oh, this is interesting because obviously Vicky McClaw's character moves yeah. from uh, AC12 and stuff. And it's like, oh, th this is the new Bloods. <laughs> yeah, no. Welcome, welcome edition. <laughs> End of that first episode, thrown out a window. Oh, okay. She's not sticking around then. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> Brutal Call Brutal, of Duty when it wanted to be. Yeah, it, it was. I finished that this, uh, this week, last week. Disappointed, weren't you? No, I wasn't. Well, last episode, you weren't disappointed. One point. Oh, well, maybe I, I thought, shot my I thought, pile. I thought it carried the torch of what made that great. Is Because I said, when I watched season two of that and the big reveal at the end was nowhere near as big and grandioso as they thought. And when they had mapped on the board at AC12 who it was and what was going on. And then when you saw what happened, it was just... No, yeah. it was just that. That's all. You've you've blown this way out of proportion. It was simply this. Oh, I love seeing this, and it stuck to that. And then when the reveal on that last six, it, he you know he just goes, "It's just money." Do you want I just <laughs> it was just money. that's all it was. It's not that I'm not this big honcho. My my problem with was any of that was any of that is the really shit CGI of them going up in an elevator or a lift <laughs> that really pissed me off. But then, just like, why Call of Duty a few times has undone the previous season. Yes, got themselves out of a corner. Like season two has a pretty good ending. I in the third one, it was and like, then they completely no. undo all the in the third season. They're it's like, the oh, actress no. in that she's phenomenal. 
Kelly McDonald's in the sixth season. Yes. Oh, she's an awesome as well. Because oh, it's really it? nice to see her appear in something again. Because she she done like the voice of Brave and disappeared for a bit. She was well, the woman Brave. And yeah, then, and she was also what, No Country for All Men. Big, big role in that. Oh, yeah. Well, that was a few years ago. But it was really nice to see her come back. Um, when you say the actress's name, we were both going to go, oh, of course it was. Rachel. No, it's not no. Rachel. She was, again, she's one of the best things in The Bodyguard. Which she plays. She was in The Bodyguard. Yeah, she, she's got a phenomenal career. Rachel Hawkins, Hawes. Rachel Hawes? Is that what you want to go with? Yeah, that's my shot. I've shot my shot. Okay, but where, what was the show you were talking about? Uh, the Devil's Hour. I am going to watch it. I did hover on it. Devil's and it Hour. Did, it did look a little bit of me, that. It, it, was, it was all me. I enjoyed it so much. Because it, 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 it reminds me of, I read the um, Chris Carter books, and it did, it did give me a, 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 a hint of Chris Carter. Don't get me wrong, I'm basing this on one episode. Keely Hawes. Keely Hawes, I was close. D.I. Denton. D.I. Denton. Yeah, Lion Duty, mate. Oh God, that was brutal. Some of them, uh, some of them seasons in that. So, um, so there you go. That's what that's what I've been up to at the minute. Rewatching Doctor Who on my um, when I've got spare time, and then couples, the devil's out. I cannot wait to go through that series because one hour in, I'm hooked. Sorry, I'm going down an absolute rabbit hole oh, now of, uh, of Keely uh, Horse. She, she, we should do an episode. Because she did she's the phenomenal. voice of Laura Croft. She was the original voice, wasn't she? Was she? I remember seeing. Oh god, it all makes sense. I remember seeing on Graham Norton, and Graham Norton was like. He says, if people don't know you, they do know you. And then she kind of like, she goes, yeah, I, I was like Laura Croft. And then she did the voice. And everyone was like, oh, shit. Are you kidding? It was the original posh shit. English voice for, yeah, because she's coming back to do the next um, video, game. video game. Yeah. Nice. Tomb Reloaded. Right. Anyway, back on track. Yeah. Should we talk about a film? Let's talk about a film. So do you want to do Black Adam? Black Adam's the big one. So let's start off with Black Adam. This film ready? has been that long. The Rock had hair when he was signed up to this movie. <laughs> That's not even a joke. I've... There's one thing to report as well. He is the most charismatic man in Hollywood. Mm. And he's finally in the film that basically the runaway genre for 15 years, 20 years now. Mm. Dwayne The Rock Johnson stars as Black Adam. Adis Hodge as Hawkman. Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. Also starring Sarah Shahari, Noah Centano, Martin Kazani, and Quintessenta. And I forgot to write her last name. <laughs> I've just put Quintessenter. In 2006 BC, the tyrannical king of Kandahar, Achton, creates the crown of Sabak, which gives the wearer great power. After attempting to stage a revolt, a young slave boy is given the powers of Shazam by the Council of Wizards, transforming into the heroic champion who kills the king and ends his reign. However, in the present day, Kandahar is oppressed by Intergang, a series of criminals. They're just, they're just criminaling around. No superpowers. And while searching for the long-lost crown of Sabak, they accidentally release the imprisoned Black Adam, an anti-hero that no one can control. Amanda Waller sends in the B-team to stop this menace and gain control of the crown. Add to the mix below-par criminals with tedious links back to the rule of Kandahar, and you have Underwhelming the movie, starring the most charismatic actor in Hollywood in a role where he doesn't make jokes every second. So just on that, the, the thing that really grinds my gears in these films mm. is when you have, uh, you know, old money, yes. you know, brought out of hibernation, unlocked, or, you know, brought into the modern world, yet there's someone who has a tie back to the original, yeah. you know, and that, I hate that. You Absolutely know, when it's like great-great-granddad was so-and-so. And it's like, oh yeah, that flashback scene where that guy with the scar like said something. Oh yeah, that's you know the, the, and it's this idea that generations can pass and that feud is still there. Still there, mate. 
Still there. Oh, I, that really grinds my gears. So the, the film goes for epic grandeur, which it does fail on any aspect of its pinnacle is that you're supposed to believe a, a slave child stood up in one voice and said, let's rise up. And they did rise up against this Pharaoh and that, you know, they stormed the, the castles. It goes for a twist. It goes for a twist that is so obvious. Mm. You just sat as an audience going, you, you actually couldn't believe that they went for that twist. You're like, but it's pretty obvious. And I'm going to just say this right now. It's really, The Rock is one of the most identifiable people to look at. He's also got a very distinguishable voice. <laughs> so when they try to do this trick, this spin, it doesn't work at all because they don't modulate the voice or change that at all. So it's really obvious. Its twist doesn't make sense. I'm going to say it now. And it's going to shock you, mate. It's going to shock you to your core. Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate was too good for this movie. The character of Dr. Fate is interesting, different, relies on magic, can see the outcome, has to make choice on the greater good. Genuinely an interesting character in a Black Adam film where I was like, oh my God, let's go down this storyline. Dr. Fate and Pierce Brosnan in particular, standout performers, mm. charismatic, holds the scene, does it does well against... Who would have thought that the anti-rock equation would be Pierce fucking Brosnan? <laughs> Just going to say now, Pierce Brosnan fucking stole the show, in my opinion, as Dr. Fate. I wanted to see so much Dr. Fate. Um, Hawkman, which is a character, but the actor playing it, um, sorry, Eddie Hodge, was actually pretty good as well. It goes for this kind of like, it gives them backstory without, because that's DC's problem. They don't want to give you backstory about Hawkman. Have a sentence of it. So do you want me to give you some Aldous Hodge uh, like, trivia? I know some of it from Smallville, so I know for a fact he's a reincarnated soul because he's always destined to lose his love once he finds oh, I just her. mean the guy, the actor. Oh, I know that he was in fucking Don't Tell Me Now. He's in uh, Friday Night Lights. He's brilliant. He plays um, the voodoo king, the um, quarterback. They call him the voodoo king. He's fucking brilliant. And then in the last... In the last like episodes he just he goes to mm. the rivals mate I think he's voiced Screen Lantern in some of the animations he's we talked about last week uh, the Alex Cross movie with Tyler Perry he is going to play Alex Cross in the he's TV a good show actor. he was this he was the small one of the small children in Die Hard 3 with a Vengeance Raymond one of the nephews of Sam Fuck Jackson off. who then was later in A Good Day to Die Hard the fifth Die Hard movie as a different character oh not even God. as like a returning oh there's Raymond grown up because obviously that movie set place in Russia but um, yeah Quite so he was in two, in <laughs> two Die Hard movies as different characters he's really really articulate I listened to a podcast with him on it guesting on it a few weeks back and you know him talking about like he's gone for other superhero movies that he didn't get and you know like everyone in Hollywood's going for the superhero movies the characters the you know and he's got this and the amount of like work he went in and the, the difficulty of going up against someone as big as The Rock like not just his muscles, but as big as him in terms yeah. of who he is as a character in real life. Um, he always, he comes across in interview very, very well. I very, very interesting blow. I reckon one for the future. I genuinely would put him, yeah. after watching him in this, he does a very good job. It's weird that he has a lot of screen time against The Rock because mm. he's like the leader. The, the Rock has, at one point has nothing to do, sorry, Black Adam has nothing to do with the crown. They're two different, he's got two different objectives. Get the crown and also Black Adam needs to fuck off. <laughs> They're two separate objectives, but obviously the rock as Black Adam has got his got his own shindig going on. So the twists are noticeable. You can see them coming. You know what's going to happen. Pierce Brosnan, the character is actually being more developed than you would think. Bear in mind, they're just dropped in this situation. Mm. The film, not high on laughs. I'm going to tell you right now, when you listen to this modern day world we live in now, everything's amazing or everything's shit. Mm. This film is all right. Yeah, it that seems to be the, right. that seems to be the main consensus. The Rock is really good in it. The acting is really good in it. 
the storyline and the villains are piss poor. Mm. They cancel each other out. It's an alright film. It is, it is genuinely okay. The graphics are, there's a sky beam in it. I get sick of the sky beam. Mm. It's not enough to make me... So I went to the cinema to go see this, but that's because it was I have Limitless and I'd cancelled it. I had one day left it. Black Adam was there the day off. I went to go see Black Adam as the last film to say mm. goodbye to my Limitless, to use it. I sat in there, I had Hero Fatigue. I still have Hero Fatigue. I'm not that interested. But DC have unmarveled. And what I mean by this is, do you remember Spider-Man? Don't spoil Spider-Man. Avengers, don't spoil Avengers. Warner Brothers gave us, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, I've told you where the after scene credit is. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they've straight up shot their wad. Which because I've, they don't want people, they know people aren't going to see this film and they want you to know. Well, I think they had it in the back pocket, didn't they? The critics didn't come out praising it. They yeah. need something else to bring them in. So yeah, the spoiler is Henry Cavell's back as Superman. And this, I saw the Cavell video. You yeah. I, no, no. I, no, I, I, you, I, I messaged you saying, I bet he's in it. Yeah. I, because The Rock had been talking about for ages that he wanted to get Superman and Black Adam to go against each other. And then I messaged you saying, if anyone on this planet can get Warner Brothers to do it, bear in mind that Warner Brothers has now just signed James Gunn as like the creative CEO, hasn't it, of, yeah. of the whole uh, DCEU. Um, and then, th- so the film was coming out on the Friday. On the Thursday night, I saw the video from Cavill himself saying, yeah, just to let you know, I know the film's coming out. The film wasn't even out yet. That's and, ridiculous. And it's the first time, first time I've ever known the actual film to give away its spoiler. It gave away its spoiler. Before the film even came out. I genuinely think that it had no, they had no trust in that film being successful. So they, sh- they basically told you why you should watch it. Mm. And the cameo is it. it. There's no, there's nothing else. He shows up and he's like, oh, we should, we should talk. Which leads me on to point two. Netflix can go fuck itself. What's it done now? Henry Cavill announced in the last oh, few days that he's in the last series of The Witcher, he's giving it to Liam Hemsworth. I'm not being funny. Chris Hemsworth gets a pass because he's quite funny in Thor, but he's not a great actor. Liam Hemsworth is the untalented brother of the person who's barely talented. Fuck you, you've destroyed... Oh, I don't know, there's the other Hemsworth. Oh, the forgotten Luke. one. Oh, no, he... Oh, okay. Yeah, Luke, Liam and Chris. Oh, fucking... I, I he's think... so forgettable, I forgot he existed. Mm. I'm not joking, I'm really not interested. How could you take a great performance... What is that? Is that just clashing then with when they want to get him I in? assume so because he can't, it's impossible for him to, he's just said, I, I, I've, after season three, I'm stopping. Liam Hemsworth, he's on this thing where he's like, big Liam Hemsworth up. He's like, oh, he's going to do a great job. He's not. Mm. He's going to do a shit job and you're a shit person and I hate you. And I, and I, I mean, I'm glad he's back as Superman because he, he is Superman. I am glad he's back as Superman and we've already, it's already been announced Man of Steel 2. But don't you think it's really weird you've had to sacrifice this film? This is probably their only. If I'm a big wig at Warner Brothers and I'm looking at, so you have to plan everything out. You have to plan your movies. You know, Marvel do it fantastically. They have these films and they know if there's an impact, they move a film. We saw it with Blade. Mm. Blade was supposed to be out now or soon. Oh, it's like now. now, like end of 2024. Yeah, but they've it? had to change it because of the knock-on effect. This film was just like, people aren't going to watch this. They panic and they're like, mm. fuck it. Send the last 30 seconds off. They sent the last 30 seconds off. Please watch it. Why would we? The most interesting thing you've just given away for free on Twitter. Mm. They're idiots. Because I think there's a genuinely okay film in there. I've I've seen worse. Mm. It's Green Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> but I was, I, was thoroughly, I, was, I was thoroughly okay with that film. Black Adam was fine. But to sacrifice The Witcher, which to me, I'm more interested in The Witcher than I was in the superhero films. I'm quite annoyed by that. Well, and they're probably not even linked. Happen. They're probably not even linked. But Liam Hemsworth, in no world, is a substitute for fucking <sighs> Henry Cavill, the Henry man Cavill, himself. The man himself. Garrett. 
And I'm, I'm pissed. I'm pissed off, mate. And I feel like this film, and they might not be related at all, but I feel like this film has soiled one of my favourite TV series. There's a lot of time between now and then, though, that, yeah. you know, that things can happen. They, they might put, you know, the backlash is enough. We we are now in an oh, age... Oh, by the way, everyone hates that. I, I don't think anyone has said, no. oh, what great casting by Netflix. <laughs> yeah, we, we're in a world nowadays where the last 10 years, 15 years, is, the cinema has been dominated by this idea of give the audience something they didn't know that they wanted. Mm. And now... Now it's give them a, give people give them what they want. What they want because nowadays because people are so much more, you know, investing their money wisely because of multiple streaming services, multiple films being released, cinema prices going up. People are more kind of chooses what to watch, what they watch. The, the Spider Man was for me was a turning point in cinema. Give people what they want. They want a Tom Maguire, they wanted Andrew Garfield, and they wanted Tom Holland in the same movie. They yeah. wanted to relive the childhoods, um, you know, in all the in a celebration of Spider Man movies. And now that is it. You, we will start getting now crossovers and shared IP of characters because you know Daredevil's back in, you know, um, what's his name the. Um, I forgot the actor, Charlie Cox. Oh, Charlie Cox. Sorry, I know. Yeah, so we, we're getting all these characters. You know, even uh, Bethnal was on about coming back as the Punisher. Like all these things are happening because if enough people scream loud enough, they're going to get it. And you don't know with The Witcher, Netflix might be thinking like, "Fucking, hell, I was actually going to go down like a turd sandwich unless we bring Cavell back." I, I think it is. I think they've sacrificed themselves, but Palmy thinks they kind of want that because I imagine that right now he. Uh, Henry Cavill must be so expensive. He must be the biggest expense on The Witcher set. Mm. And if you want to do bigger and better things, you have to up the budget of production. Can you afford to carry this multi-million pound person that you're paying? So I reckon it might have been a budgetary. They were like, okay, we won't make The Witcher anymore because it's fucking mm. impossible. Just, I think it's just bullshit. Anyway. Give it time. Black Adam. Okay. If, do you know what, mate? Catch it for free. Mm. When it shows up for free on something, I think you watch it and you'll think it was okay. I was going to go to the cinema. It is long. I was going to go to the cinema this weekend, but just with a kid, it just yeah. time ran away from me. And then I, I had like, I could have got to the cinema. It would have been like a run from the car park. And I thought, I'm not about that anymore. No, it's, it's not that. It really um, won all that, mate. You know, we're off the back of Halloween season and uh, scary movies, spooky films. We've got Hocus Pocus 2. I tried rewatching Hocus Pocus 1. Dog shite. I've heard Hocus Pocus too is dog shite. So uh, I skipped over and then I saw a little ditty on Netflix Ooh. from a short uh, Stephen King story that I quite was was quite fond of in the Stephen King collection of short film uh, stories. Um, if it bleeds, there is a short film a story called Mr. Harrigan's Phone, which has now been turned ironically into a two-hour film. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's that Stephen King thing, isn't it? Stephen King, you know, you can buy the rights to his books for a pound, I think it is a dollar, isn't it? Um, you know, anything gets turned in. It stars Jaden Martell, who you may remember from It, and Donald Sutherland, who you may remember from the last 80 de uh, eight decades of film. Oh my God, um, I was surprised about it retired by now. I thought he peaked at Moonfall. <laughs> That's it. it I, I believe when he walked off the set of Moonfall, he said, I have no more to give. I think it was the, his exact words, wasn't it? <laughs> Um, the film's 12, it's a 12 rated, so it isn't King's boldest, bloodiest horror, but it's more of a coming of age tale with themes of morality, dealing with death at a young age and learning of consequences of action. So, um, Jaden Martell is Craig. He's this kid who gets hired by a recluse billionaire, Mr. Harrigan, who's played by Donald Sutherland. And he's hired for $5 an hour to read books to... Um, Mr. Harrigan, whose eyes are failing him. He's older, you know, but he still has a love for literature and he's very isolated, very lonely. Lives in the Stephen King house at the top of the hill in, in this main town. Not Derry, but another similar main town. Um, yeah, and they've got a drinking problem, has it? No, he hasn't, no. A what? <laughs> it, Martell... Development. <laughs> 
Martel's uh, a teenager who's full of life, bit naive. Can't see the dead. Innocent. No, no. <laughs> what? Confusion, ambitious. Um, whereas Sutherland is a cutthroat, no-nonsense, Scrooge capitalist, um, lonely bloke who won't, won't hesitate to um, you know, step over you to get what he wants or burn you down if you're in his way. He's very, like I say, cutthroat businessman who's made his billions. Mm. For the first hour of this movie, Mr. Harrigan's phone explores the bond between the two characters, that it's all about that unlikely friendship. And yeah. what brings them together is actually a, you know, politics aside, differences aside, what's that common ground in between two characters that would otherwise not share a room together? And it's literature, it's conversation, it's a love for, um, you know... Um, just being present, you yeah. know, and being able to have a conversation. And it's really quite actually entertaining. Before, you know, if you strip down the fact that it's, a, it's supposed to be a Stephen King spooky horror film, I could watch the drama element of the first half of this movie uh, for the full two hours. Um, the film's set in 2003, which is when the first iPhone came out. And at this point, Ooh. as a gift, Craig, who's used the money that he saved, uh, and he wins a little bit on a scratch card, um, to buy... Mr. Harrigan, a phone, a, an iPhone, similar to the one that he has. At first, Sutherland is, uh, you know, he's in, he, he's, uh, you know, I don't need it. What do I need a phone for? I don't know anyone. Then he's in awe of it. Oh, I can check the stock markets with a push of a button. I don't need to read a newspaper. And bear in mind, newspapers are always a day out of date. You know, this is live. This is information that you're going to get now. Then he turns to become afraid of it. There's even a very, he may as well wink at the screen when there's a big, <laughs> part where he's like information is power you shouldn't you shouldn't give information for free and also fake news and there's this whole big like donald sutherland speech about this could be very dangerous um almost like foreshadowing nowadays um you know when you have to be really careful what you read on the internet ultimately mr harrigan dies of old age and at his open casket funeral craig puts his phone in the breast pocket of Donald Sutherland's dead body. Uh, they, they, we see the casket go into the ground, get buried up. And then Craig continues his life and gets comfort from still texting the old phone. Uh, luckily, that was fully oh, charged. Uh, he had text back or something. Now, all of a sudden, go. texts start to return. This is where the spooky element comes into it. Text messages start to come back. But also... <laughs> it's dark. Where am I? <laughs> well, they're non-coherent texts. So they're, they're letters. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a spooky bit where... Um, they set a ringtone for each other so they know when they're calling. And so, of course, his phone goes off one night late and it's that, you know, like when they take a dash song and slow it down slightly and put a bit of reverb and now all of a sudden yeah. it sounds spooky shit. And he even, dry, he even cycles over to the graveyard and dials the number and can hear it underground. It's creepy. There are that creepy, creepy yeah. parts to it. And it is a 12. But then um, Jaden Martell's character, Craig, starts to almost text wishes to um, to to the dead Mr. Harrigan, believing he's on the other side. You know, uh, there's a bully at school. You know, there's these things where, he, you know, he's, he's venting his frustration out and the only person he was, was able to consolidate with. Um, and then things happen in real life. And then it becomes this whole, like I say, be careful what you wish for, consequences of even dark thoughts, what could happen from them. Mm. Um it's it's an all right movie. It's not great, and it is two hours, and it is a twelve. And for film for young film goers, I think for those getting into horror, you know, though, you know, if it, this was Halloween and you you know young, you know, preteen, this is this is good entry level stuff. This is good like ghost story. Are you afraid of the dark? Not goosebumps kind of story. Um, the more paranormal it became, the less interested I was. I, I thought the the drama between the two was really well because Donald Sutherland 
He's it's good. rare when you're in your mm. 80s you get a dramatic piece like this. And Sutherland in the... And it's no, it's no um, I think, coincidence that the director's like, I've got Donald Sutherland in the film. I'm having him for an hour. Yeah. Because in the short story, he dies pretty quickly. Yeah, why would you? And, um, you know, you, you know, want him more. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, 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 let's keep him alive for as long as possible. And it is interesting. You know, those scenes are the most interesting part of it. It does have a few spooky bits to it but nothing scary nothing jumpy nothing bloody nothing gory and it does end with you know one of those voiceover moments as a as the cast looks uh. over a looks over a lake and asks the question as he throws the phone into the center of it and it's like do you know what i mean it's 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 got this it's it's got this idea behind it about like the danger of technology the danger of um like i say information being accessible but the ghost story element and the drama it's a bit of a mixed match it was inter- it was all right. It was it, it, it was middle of the ground, very much like Black Adam. Yeah, I knew what the short story was, so I knew what was going to happen in this sometimes film. Sometimes you need that, don't you? You don't want to be like twisting turns. Sometimes you just need a film to watch. I would, I would actually, I would say, drop twenty minutes off it, half an hour off it. Still have the hour of Donald Sutherland being alive. Then he dies. Then thirty minutes of the phone shit, and then call it. It didn't need the hour of the phone shit. Yeah, where again that trope that is in every horror movie. Um, adults won't believe me. I need to investigate myself, you know, the cause of death of someone, you know, and and, and it's like, oh, doing police work. It, it, I, oh, I really hate that in horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So that was pretty dark. I've got a film that I should talk about, but I'm going to wait till the end because there is something special I want to talk about. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with here for, with a quick ditty. A di- another ditty. Another ditty. Um, and the reason, that, so you know, there's films that you you see a trailer for, you want it, you're interested. Mm, I want a slice of that. Saw a trailer on the YouTube for Catherine called Birdie. It's a, it's based on a very successful book, and the trailer wasn't for me. And this sort of film is not aimed at me. It's aimed for girls, young teenagers, uh, women. It's, it's an empowering film. But Bella Ramsey. Everyone, everyone's favourite from Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Who's literally about to take the world by storm. She's literally about to be the youngest A-lister I can think oh, of. Oh, with, um, with Last, Last of, Us, of Us. With Pascal, who's basically turned himself from, I think, like, literally in the space of a year, has turned himself into the shit. Mm. <laughs> if, you, like, if you title something, the shit, it would be him. So, Bella Ramsey, she's on the way there. Billy Piper, Andrew Scott, Leslie Sharp. Leslie Sharp is genuinely one of the most underrated people in the world. I was thinking, when I was on my... Full Monty uh, era. Full Monty. No, when I was thinking, when I was when I was watching Chris Eccleston, I thought it was really sad they never got a second series. But mm. I remember, I was like, I'm sure he's worked with Russell T Davis before. Did you ever see the thing on ITV where uh, Chris Eccleston comes back and is Jesus, and his best friends is Leslie Sharp, and then basically oh, it's, it's a two part. It's so long ago now though, because I was like, what the fuck is it called? Where he basically Christopher Eccleston is a modern day Jesus. Yeah. He goes to Man City's park and he turns night into day. He turns main, I think it's main park at the time, the old, the old ground into, tele- it was really awesome anyway. I was just remembering, oh, man, I love me some Leslie Sharp back in the day. It's nice to see Leslie Sharp. You don't hear that name enough now. No, I just said those. David Badley. Of course. Uh, and Russell Brand. And I, I, you know what? I like Russell Brand. I actually don't hate him. It's also got um, Isis Hainsworth in it, who I really like from that Lord of Metal movie that I talked about. Scottish yes. act, act, actress. I haven't seen that one. Um, and Ralph Innocent, who... Ever since he started doing the Dave commercials, you can't unhear the Dave voice. <laughs> That's your on Dave. <laughs> so Catherine, known Les- as Leslie, Sh- sorry, Leslie Sharp. <laughs> Catherine, known as Birdie, is a 14-year-old lady-in-waiting living in Lincolnshire. Really? Yeah. 
um, in the 13th century with her father Rolo, her mother Aslan, and she's got a brother. And it's all about forced marriages and stuff like that. She's headstrong. She doesn't, you know, she's Mulan, mate. She doesn't want to go where the river flows. She wants to do her own thing. Um, this film is basically Rolo, played by, let's be honest, superb Andrew Scott. I think Andrew Scott, again, is turning into maybe Mr. Britain. There's there's loads of Mr. Britons out there. When we did our Britain episode, they, we missed out a load of them. Mm. <laughs> and uh, Andrew Scott's good. Andrew Scott is phenomenal as like this kind of lackadaisical lord of the manor. Billy Piper is basically constantly pregnant, like mm. the, the running joke that she's there. It's directed by uh, Leonard Dunham, who, who basically likes to tell these sort of stories. It's a really good... Um, it's really good if I was a young teenage girl about empowerment, not following it, because basically Rolo spent all their money. The only asset he's got to sell is to sell his youngest daughter to a local landowner so that he can get some money so he can continue living his lifestyle as a lord. Enter Paul Kay, who's fucking phenomenal. I love a bit of Paul Kay. Um, she, there's numerous things. So um, there's lots was, of- So he was great in Afterlife, wasn't he? Yes, it's just that he replaced the psychiatrist. He's just like, I was munted last night. <laughs> <laughs> he moans about his life. And Paul Kay, so can you see why I was interested in this film? All this great British talent, just bursting, bristling, mate. Mm. So it's basically a lot of her not doing what she wants to do, hits spankings. She starts hiding her tampons because she doesn't want her father to know that she's ready to give birth because once she does that, she'll be basically ready to, ready to be sold. She sends all her suits away with her rumbunctious attitude until Paul Kay comes in at what she refers to as the bearded man. Now, why she's called Birdie is because her brother is a monk and she writes out basically a diary. Mm. And in it, she gives her the nickname Birdie. But Paul Kay likes... So he's the... He's the bearded man. He likes this. He likes because it's different. So he's like, <laughs> he loves a bit of attitude. Not for me. But then again, it never was supposed to be for me. So I guess the conundrum is, I, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. The best thing I can think about it was I was watching the trailer with Esther and Esther, a young lady herself, says she was sick of these films. She said, she said, why do we just keep telling the same story again? You know, headstrong lady doesn't like what she wants to do. So in the end, she, she guessed the ending of the film based on the trailer. She was not interested in watching it. And I guess, I guess it, I can't talk about that though. As a man, you know, I, all the films I watch, they, they can range from theory. So I guess it's hard to have, isn't it better to have this sort of heroin though? I guess it's a question I can't ask and you mm. can't answer. So no. basically, so we, we, we're two white middle-aged men. <laughs> we need to talk about no, Catherine Colbert. I mean, I mean la, la, last week, I was all over Frankenstein versus <laughs> Dracula, mate. But maybe this isn't my forte. It's not my forte. But I, so I decided <clears> to stick with what it was. It's a great spectacle of British talent. Uh, Bella Ramsey holds the screen in a way that is captivating. It's brilliant. It makes me so more interested to see The, the Last of Us, a game I famously never completed. Hmm. I know. I saw the look of disgust in your face. I've got it. No, know. I've never played it, but it's one of them because oh, I, right. I was I moved over to the Xbox, and everyone I know is like, "Last of You, Aaron, is the most Aaron game." Maybe I'll let you borrow because I never play my PlayStation. I've got mm. it. It's still in its cellophane. I never played it. Anyway, I do want to see it. Um, Billy Piper, obviously <clears throat> coming off a mass Doctor Who binge. Billy Piper, a bit of me, and Andrew Scott can never get enough of Andrew Scott. The film is fun. It's not funny. There's no laugh out moments. It's great. However, once you get about 20 minutes in, it's very sanely. It's basically the character, when a suitor comes, she basically acts in a horrible way and sends them on their way. That's the film. You've mm. seen it. Congratulations. It's nearly, <laughs> it's nearly two hours long. <laughs> um, it's okay, but then again, not for me. Not for you. I, I've got uh, maybe my film of the week. We've talked about a few films that are middle of the road or um, 
you know, ditties or what have you. But the, 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 for me, film of the week came as a surprise because I wasn't out looking for this movie, hadn't really heard anything about it. And then I played The Good Nurse, which has just come out on uh, Netflix. It's a 2022 movie, American drama. Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne. Can't go wrong with that cast. Both are nurses, one good, one very, very bad. I thought you were going to go very, very good. It's like, just too much good. <laughs> Two good nurses. No, no. Um, this is based on the real life story of a prolific serial killer who moved hospital to hospital killing people over 16 years. Jesus. So it's directed by Tobias Lindholm, who's the writer of, I think he's a Danish filmmaker. He wrote Another Round, which was my favourite film last year. And I don't know, I think it came out like two years ago, but... We only saw it I last watched year. it last year yeah. and I was like, that. When it came out on uh, Sky, didn't it? Or uh, oh, Now TV. Now TV, yeah. Which we crowned, obviously, the best streaming service in the UK. Of course. So. Yeah. Uh, he was. I think he also directed like Wounds and a few other movies. Um, the Hunt, I think. The Mads Mikkelsen. He's worked with Mads Mikkelsen a few times. So this film is set in 2003 and it follows uh, Chastain's character, who's Amy. She's a night nurse, single mum. She has an underlining serious heart condition. Um Onto her wards comes Charlie, Redmayne's character. He's a transfer from a neighbouring hospital. He's gentle, caring, humble, friendly. They become friends. They start looking out for each other. Um, you know, their interaction... If you didn't know where this film was going and you didn't know that this was a real-life story, um, the start of this movie, they, they both come across very charming. You know, Jessica Chastain's hiding this heart condition she has because she doesn't have health insurance. Um, she, needs a, she needs to work there for a year to qualify. She's four months off, but it's to the point where her doctors are like, you're going to have a heart attack. You'll have blood blisters on your heart. Um, you know, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> Charlie sees this, knows there's something wrong, starts to help her out, starts doing the heavy lifting, looking out for her on shifts and stuff. So you wouldn't really, if you didn't know the story, you didn't know who, uh, who, who Charlie was and what crimes he committed. Film starts off quite jolly, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, all well, that's the, nice. All, all of a sudden, patients who were otherwise stable, recovering, or not expected to die, start, dying you know uh, unexplainably fingers start to point to charlie as the rumors of his past start to come into light and two detectives come on the scene to investigate what was it true detective now these two this is where the film is interesting and the film takes a different turn to where you think it's going the film is less focused on the capture and apprehension of charlie who very much very quickly we realize is a is a serial killer what the film points a light at and puts under the microscope is the American medical system in that the hospitals with their lawyers would much rather Charlie leaves and signs a DNA, uh, you know, non-disclosure kind of agreement to mm. leave quietly because it's bad rep for their donors, their sponsors and their patients and their insurance. If it came to light that someone was killing patients. So the film actually looks more at the, lawyer side of a hospital and you have a a a, a rep comes into it who um basically these two police hear that someone died in unexplainably so they have to they have to investigate um the hospital had to declare that someone died unexpectedly but yeah. they declared it seven weeks after the person had died so there's nothing they can do there's no body to examine no one's question and then they start digging into it well, actually how did this person die and then you start to learn, like I said, that the hospital has this team that are really keen to not show any kind of uh, wrongdoing for fear of what it would do to their reputation. And as I say, so the real horror that the film is trying to show you is the the basically the shit medical system uh, mm. that's in play. Um, 
Charlie, by the end of the movie, because it is a true story, confesses to 29 killings, but he's thought to have been responsible for 400 I mean, in that, 16 years. How many did he admit to? 29. But, there's, a, there's, a, there's a slight difference there. No, because in the movie, he's like, I can't remember all their names. So he oh. only talks about the ones he can remember. I was just, I was just I'm, maths was never my strong suit. <laughs> take 400 and you take away 20. When yeah. asked why he did it, he says, because no one ever stopped me. It is that's dark. dark. Um, it's well acted, it's tense, it's shocking, it's unbelievable, it's frustrating. Performance is a great red main is really transformative. So I, you know, you know Ready Red Main's work in this, you know, it's everything. It's the way It's good he, red main then. Most heavily, yeah. It's the way he carries himself, he's kind of slumped shoulders. He looks like a nobody that would drift between conversations or, you know, people would go, Who's who who's Charlie? Oh, he's worked here ten years, has he? He's mm. that kind of character that slips between I call that James. <laughs> between the wards. He's sleepy he's got this just woke up manner about him and Chastain is utterly convincing as the nurse who's giving her life to the job but then the job is killing her and, yeah. and it's really 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 good um it's not going to win any awards I just it's just one of the movies that I flipped put on I didn't really know what it was about too much when it got going I was like this is interesting and the way that like I say it didn't become a is it, isn't it cat and mouse thing? You know, very soon, very quickly that he is a bad person. Um, it's, it's more about, like I say, the, the kind of the, how it, the story is about how did he get away with it for so long? Mm. And it's because it's just far fucking easier to pretend it wasn't happening and let it be someone else's problem. than the hospital take fault for it. It, it, it. I I was quite shocked. And at the end, when the statistics start coming up, you're like, Oh my God, that is terrible. Oh my God. That's horrible. Like, but, uh, Redmayne and Chastain are great together in this. Like the really, really good uh, dynamic pairing uh, of actors. So yeah, if you got a chance, The Good Nurse is my film of the week. Film of the week. And mm. that's on Netflix. Mm. Netflix. Right. So you've come out with a film that you're very passionate about. You seem to like it very much. Is that fair to say? You, you, if I'd seen it, would we be talking Vault? Um, it's a contender for the vault. It's, it's maybe the most best contender we've had in a few weeks. Fair enough. I don't think it would make it. Okay. It, but it would stroke the door Ooh, it of would, the vault. It would not. It would come a knock in. It would come a knock in. Edward Berger. Here we go. Edward Berger is the director of All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, Netflix is probably the, their big release. Mm. The, the big budgeted, lots of, lots of, Lots of like build up for this. Is it? I don't know if the trailers for this have been around for a while. They've been milking this film for a while. And what I mean by milking is it? That's probably not the right word. This film's been on a lot of people's radar for a while, mm. but very little's been given. Um, at a stonking two hours and twenty seven minutes, it feels every inch of that time from time. So you you sit down, two hours and twenty seven minutes pass. You fucking are away. One hour and forty seven minutes. I was I was I was exhausted, mate. At the length of this film. All Quiet on the Western Front tells the story of a young German soldier on the Western Front of World War One. Uh, it's called Paul, and he goes off with his comrades at school, and he, he's there. They're full of joy. They want to do the right thing. It's 1917. They're there for the fatherland. They want to do the right thing. They want to. It's going to be over by Christmas. They're going to do it. It's going to be great. It's um, going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be easy. They're going to smash down, mm. mate. Put kettle on. Back put, in twenty. Put the kettle on. Um, basically the reality of war strips them to their bones pretty early on. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to butcher these names and I do apologize. Um, Daniel Brewer, he's the one that you'll remember the most because he's Zemo in... Daniel Brühl. Oh, yeah, Daniel awesome, Brühl. I awesome. I love Daniel Brühl. 
Yeah, he's he starred in The Alienist on Netflix. Oh, you, I, I think most people know him as the guy the from... Zumo, yeah. yeah Civil and, uh, War and... Inglorious yeah. Bastards, he's the German sniper. Yes. I really like him. I think he's great. Uh, Albrecht Schmoot, Felix Kramer, Mortins Klaus, Aaron Hilmer, Eden Hazelovic, David Streiso, and Sebastian Hulk. Now, I apologise. Sorry, Rush as well. I've got to say Rush. Oh, yeah, of course. Rush. I've got yeah, to say Rush. Rush. Sorry. How did we forget Rush? Rush yeah. I do, do I even apologise for Rush? Right. Who played Louder? He was amazing in that. Mm. Um, you've got three distinct storylines, and it's something that I really want to point out. So this film is a remake and is and has is based on a book. So if you've read the book, I haven't, and I haven't seen the original, so I, I will not be talking about the relation to the book or the original. The film opens, and you see Paul. Paul's underage, and he fakes his father's signature, on a slip, where he can join the war. Mm. And his four friends go off and they're in school and they're wearing hats and the headmaster gives a speech about the glory of dying for the fatherland and they're fucking jizz in their pants, mate. The whole school, they're there. They're ready I, for the war. I they sign up. I can't be any more disconnected <laughs> to that way of life. She was giving a speech, I'm like, no. <laughs> mate, they can't. They're well up for it. Yeah. And then he goes. Gagging for war. <laughs> gagging for war, mate. He signs up and the guy's like, oh, he reads his paperwork. And he's, a, he's in a room of a gymnasium. The huge lines of these kids signing up. And he gets given a, he's given a shirt. He goes, this is for you. And he's walking away. He looks at it and he goes, oh, this already belongs to someone. It's already got their name tag in it. And he pulls it off and he throws it to the floor. Where you, he says, oh, sorry. That obviously didn't fit the person. He smiles at his face, pulls the tag or gives it back to him. Paul walks away, the guy's smile fades, he throws it on the floor where you see other name tags. Mm. What you, what I didn't tell you, mate, is three minutes earlier, we saw a German soldier die wearing that jacket. Yeah. And then for three minutes, as it rose, we see the journey of the jacket, which I thought was a phenomenal way to start your film. You see your jacket, you see who mm. it ends up, you've got a story of a jacket, how it's lied. Fast forward to the, towards the end of the film. There's a speech by a colonel, and he gives the pretty much the exact same speech that the headmaster gave but by this time, Paul and his friends, some of them have passed, you know, they've, the atrocities has happened to them. So this is World War One. This is a trench war. Mm. And he's downbeaten, but he's basically told they're going over the top again. But this time there's no fever. No one cares. They just want to go home. But it's 1917. As we know, the war doesn't end until 1918. So you've got this storyline of these kids being forced to fight when, you know, it really quickly, what they were sold is not what happens. And they learn from the veterans in the trench. Like there's a great scene where they're emptying, uh, starts raining. So the trench starts drowning. So they use their things. They start complaining that their hands are too cold. Veteran says, basically touch your balls. So mm. then you see these four kids touching their, that's how they get through. Not through the training, not through the leadership by the other men in the trench. Touching the balls. If I touch their balls, uh, there's this horrific scene where tanks start coming over. Mm. It's a gory film. It's a war film. It's a very anti-war film. And now you've got another storyline. You've got the colonel who missed war. So his father was a great general in the German army, fought in South Africa, fought over here, but he this is the only war he knows. And the politicians, excuse me, politicians are ruining it for him. He wants to go to war. He doesn't want this talk of armstess. Third storyline. What was it? Dave, David, what was his name? The Daniel Brewer. Daniel Brewer. Daniel Brewer. He's negotiating with the French a peace. And he's nearly got them there, but the people won't believe him. And he believes that he lost his son to this war and he, he wants the war to end. Mm. The French are demanding too much because they know 200, half a million American soldiers are landing every day. The war has turned in the Allies' favour. You've got three storylines and I'm going to say one of the best films I've ever seen. All right. All quite on the Western Front. And when I said I felt two hours and 27 minutes, because it, it's crushing your soul. Mm. You're watching this film. It's so good. 
It's, do you remember when we sat in the cinema and we watched 1917? And it was a phenomenal film. It was like that. It was a phenomenal film that I watched. And it had a message. It was it was great acting. It was actors that I'd never really seen before in a language I didn't know. So obviously you can watch it dubbed or you can watch it in the original with subtitles. Uh, it was one of the best experiences I've had in a very long time. Sat there watching this film, feeling drained because a film should make you feel things. And I felt drained for these fictional people. Although in reality, they weren't fictional. They were probably based on some people. And at the end, it, it tells you that basically the First World War was ridiculous. They fought for four years. Millions of people died for hundreds of, hundred yards. Mm. And it was something that I know, but still it was a, it was a great visual spectacle. Uh, my problem is with war films, you never want to be too praising because it's a horrible thing they depicted, but they depicted it in a world that I, I loved the film. <laughs> I'm not saying I love war. Mm. I loved their interpretation and the story they told. All Quiet on the Western Front was genuinely one of the best films I've seen. And I reckon should be up for an Oscar because I haven't seen any other films that have made me feel this way in quite a long time. It was a great and that's film. how they do the Oscars, because it makes you feel that yeah. way. <laughs> well, no, James, no, what's going on? It's, it's how much money they can put in your pocket, mate. <laughs> I'm I'm really, I'm going to watch it. I'd like to say I hovered on it and I just wasn't ready for a war movie. I mm. saw the trenches. I was like, that looks cold. It is cold. You know, so I, I watched, I watched the hot warming <laughs> goodness instead, but I will watch it before we record again. Yeah, so a, all quite nice. If, if, it's a, if it's a vault or if it's a movie of the year contender, it's got to be watched. So I'll, I'll check it out. It was, it was great. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to cry, but you're going to stress at the futility of life. <laughs> Which is genuinely, it's been a while since I stressed about the futility of life. Yeah, you, you went through a time where it was every week. It was every week. It's been a while though. But I, I, it's interesting what you say there about gore and, and violence and, and the fact that it's necessary to depict the horrors of, of war. And, yeah. and I remember watching Saber Crown Ryan and I remember coming back from the cinema and my dad saying, how was it? And I said, it was a lot bloodier than I thought it was going to be because I went to it seeing the Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. You know, and Spielberg and stuff. And and that beach scene, I think, sticks with everyone in, in how gory it was. And I remember it's not my, heroic in the slightest, no. is it? And I remember yeah. my dad saying that at the time. He said, well, wouldn't it be dishonest if it was all like going down, clutching your chest, going like, you know, tell so-and-so I love her, you know, and, yeah. and it being like hero, you know, and that kind of thing. He's like, there's no winners in war. You know, kind of, and I remember that at the time thinking, yeah, and I saw horror, I saw war movies differently from that day. Yeah. Because, um, you know, when you look at like a lot of the Vietnam ones, they're, they're either extremely anti-war. Like the Vietnam, of all the wars, James, that's the anti-war movie. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, that's, but, or their fake action yes. Vietnam movies. You know what I mean? But Rambo of late, yeah, <laughs> of late, they're very much heartfelt, you know, very, very difficult to watch. And it's weird, isn't it? We're coming up to, I mean, what anniversary is now? Like, uh, you, you know, coming up to obviously over a hundred years since World War One. Oh yeah. yeah and we still, we're still fascinated by the atrocities of it. Yeah. Taboo. That's where cinema, I suppose, kind of is a, one of its strengths, isn't it? It's- Weirdly, it feels more, I don't know about you, and this isn't a conversation, this is a deep conversation, but because I think as a people, we mm. feel more disconnected to each other now than before. It's, it's nice, weirdly, to be reminded that if this happens, this could lead to something. Mm. <laughs> and I know it's a horrible way to say, I don't want a war again. So if I have to watch war films. <laughs> To remind me not to go to war, I'm all right with that. So Putin obviously didn't watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He needs to watch this film. It's great. You'll love it. Mm. It's fantastic. The performances yeah. are great. And I really like, there's, there's a lot of mirrors. So like I say, the speech that the colonel that you followed throughout, who basically wants personal glory, mm. who sees only in the battle, to the men that actually have to fight the battle who have been. And uh, I can't, I, my problem is because they, they're unknown actors to me other than one. The, the, the actor who plays Paul does such a great job with his face. Mm. I know it sounds really stupid, but he looks like he's done. Like, yeah. it's like I wouldn't be surprised if he just like shot himself on the screen because he's done. <laughs> um, 
from the from the colour like Berlin's beautiful at the beginning to like the war torn fields mm. that they're dying in. He's, he was a it was beautifully well architected film. Like and the storylines run great together. Mm. I just wonder if that's what the original was like because I, I don't know. Gonna watch it. Gonna find out. Nowadays, of course, the battlefield is the football pitch. Obviously, and that's where that's where the real battle is nowadays. Where the real war England, is. Germany. Um, I thought you were genuinely going to open up with watch when Saturday comes the other day. <laughs> now, you know there's one day a year that I watch that. <laughs> so when Saturday comes. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about then I Came By, which you've said that you've seen that I don't think we talked about oh, it. It's just I really can't remember weird talking about it. Yeah. Um, because it is still relatively new on Netflix. I remember when it came out and it was the, the Netflix number one movie. I saw a few people talk about it, that they, it was their Friday night movie. Um and then the other week I was like, well, let's just put it on. And it stars, I suppose the link in is 1917 actor George McKay. It's also got Kelly McDonald in it, who we talked yeah. about from Line of Duty. And it's got Hugh Bonneville, who we just don't talk about because yeah. he knows what he did. It's really weird. It, do you have all the actors who, who we've talked about today, who, who's the one that's going to take a risk with their career? Yeah. <laughs> Hugh Bonneville. Didn't see that coming. No, from no. the dad of Paddington. <laughs> yeah. yeah. like to think it's the same character. Surely as well. Uh, what's the big... Uh, Downton Abbey, isn't it? Downton well. Abbey, yeah. Um, so the film follows Toby, who's a world-weary uh, graffiti artist. He's very down with the establishment, um, who vandalises the homes of London's elite. So breaks in, spray paints, I came by. He's almost... He's a Banksy, uh, you know, of the underground world, sticking it to the elite. One night he targets the stately house of a retired judge only to discover a deep, dark secret in the basement that endangers him and his loved ones. Mm. So this movie is, it's one of them where it's like, without giving any spoilers, the film is basically, should be called Follow the Lead. So what the director, Babu Anavari does is, he does that thing where, you can't get attached to a character Ooh, God, because no. where that you don't know that, where their story is going to go. And by the end of the film, you don't. Re- it's very weird, isn't it? Because Black Adam, you obviously know. You know. Yeah, you the, follow the, the clues rock. in the name. You follow the rock. Yeah, yeah. and um, here you're introduced to a character, then you're introduced to another character, and you're introduced to another there's character. There's no but then there's a character you heard of the first, and you're like, well, what's going on? Yeah, there's no real antagonist for you as an audience to follow because uh, yeah, through the three acts, it's a f- different person picking up the story, and we as the audience know the story, but it's investigative of the other characters to which all kind of come to the same conclusion. Sure, weird as way. well in this, the police aren't that shit. They're just a little bit shit. They're just a little bit shit. <laughs> it's a film that my first impression was that it didn't know what it wanted to be. Yeah. It didn't know whether it wanted to be so a social commentary about class divide. It didn't know if it wanted to be a um a horror, you know, house invasion movie. Or I just don't think it really knew. And it kind of took flavours from all of those things and never really stuck the landing on any one of them. Bonneville's fine as the, the judge. The problem is, right, so what you should do is he should be so nice he's creepy or he should be standoffish, but he's in between. Yeah. So so he, sometimes he's nice and then sometimes when he's trying to be dominant, he's quite laughable. Yeah. And that's not his fault. I reckon he has the ability to do it. I think McKay's good. McKay, uh, George McKay's a really good actor. He's, you know, his acting chops is... Um, I, I think he's very good. I mean, talk about like up-and-comers. I mean, he's, he's certainly established himself in the acting world, but... Um, I mean, he's, he's, he's probably on the short list of Bonds at some point. Not now. I think he might be a bit good, too he's young. He's got but... that big franchise in him, hasn't yes. he? I wouldn't be surprised if he turns up in Marvel somewhere. Um, you know, I DC. fucking want Hugh Bonneville to show up in fucking Marvel as a villain, as this villain. He probably would, though. It's, it's like... 
Thanos' Alfred. dad. <laughs> Alfred. Yeah, there you go. You know, um, it's also got Purcell Ascot in it, who's um, who's also one of the taggers, the graffiti artists in it, who goes through this really weird arc. That right, so try not to spoil it. He's hard he, not to spoil this he, film. He graffitis. He's a graffiti artist. He finds out his wife, his girlfriend's pregnant. He wants to leave crime behind him, yeah, even he though was, he's sticking it to the the elite. And you know, it's it, he's, but he's, he's, he needs them to pay the bills. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I can't risk it. I can't go to jail. I'm gonna have to be a dad. And then the moral of the film is, no, don't give up on crime because when he comes back to it by the end of the movie, he, he, ex- he, he always saves the day. He extra crimes. And it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like, make it's, it. it's kind of like, he's like, how stupid am I? Like, of course crime wins. <laughs> I didn't really know what the point of, like he's the hero of this film when uh, he decides, no, I want to go back into crime. Yeah, the, the um, I reckon the second act to me was the best. If the whole film, if the third act had been more of the second act, that to me was the power, the power dynamics of Hugh Bonneville with, um, Kelly McDonald. Kelly McDonald. That to me was gold. I was like, oh, this is good. And like if the first one had been stretched out longer and if the first act hadn't ended like it acted, I he's a dumb right. Yeah. They wrote themselves in a hole and like, how are we going to do this? This. Mm. And uh, that's it's almost laughable. He's silly. very laughable. He's, 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 he's played off as kind of a joke, but at the same time sets up the rest of the film. So you're like, shoot, shoot, wow. Mm. Took a shot in the dark there, didn't you? Yeah. And, and by the end of the film, I forgot about all the graffiti stuff. And then, so at the end, like, Whereas I came by. I came by. And, and, then I, was the like, What's that? and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, they were doing that at the beginning of the movie, weren't they? I, I remember now. Yeah, I completely forgot. So it, what I, I love about it, though, is that, oh, mate, we, we, we can spoil this bit, is the guy who, who, interviews taggers it's like he's back he's giving it to the man and his taggers like I fucking love the I came back people are like yeah because that's what YouTube is full of taggers yeah. giving interviews to renowned interviewers <laughs> I, I thought I, the film ended and it's one of them where I didn't say anything while the whole cast was going up and then after the film had definitely done I just remember I, I went but that wasn't great it wasn't boring it was so whereas you were like it's okay with Black Adam yeah this was the yeah, it was. It was. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, there was. I wouldn't. There was nothing in it that I thought was standoutish or like, oh, that that was original. Or I haven't seen that. Or I definitely want to see that again. Do you know what I think this film was actually based around? It's it's all about Henry Bonneville and Hugh. Hugh, Hugh sorry, Hugh Henry's, Henry's his shit brother. <laughs> no one wants him. Um, Hugh Bonneville. It, it's it's all about him, and because he doesn't quite necessarily pull it off, it, it doesn't work. For no, me. and he's the only consistent throughout the three the three acts. So he, he all lays on him. Well, whilst he's not the main character always, if it doesn't work for him, it sags. And that's mm. why I think third act is quite laughable because like you, I'm like, so crime does pay. Because afterwards he's like, do you know what? Do it. Yes, crime. Mm. He saves, you know. <laughs> and then the first one is like how the story starts. Whereas the second one was brilliant. Mm. Someone wants an answer. She knows someone has an answer, but he won't give the answer. So it's basically a, who's done it? And then the element of the police in it, and the police weren't shit for once, but they can't do anything. It was really good. Uh, that second night I thought was good. Uh, but uh, and there's it, a, I do think it's Hugh that does let it down. There's a very, very weird scene in it as well, which I like in horror, where or, or these movies, where you get something that... Somebody's having a massage. No, there's a scene. Oh. There's a scene when the copper basically asks him a question about the panic room that he has. That there is no getting round. There's no way, and it's basically that the, the spy hole. He, he's got a he's got a place where he keeps people locked up in the basement. Mm. And when the police see it and it's empty and it's cleared out, 
he's like, no, it's a panic room. I'm a judge. You know, if someone comes, I've, I lock myself in. And then she says, why is the viewing I the other, the way, other yeah. side so you can look in, not look out? And then he closes the door and he gets right in the face very quickly. And he's like, oh, you think you're so clever. He's so menacing. And, and then, 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 the then he opens, opens the door again. And, and I'm like, fine. that was weird, wasn't it? He's yeah. like kind of like revealing himself for a second, the, the true viciousness yeah. of him. And it, I was like, Calm down, Mr. Paddington. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to, but it's also, it's laughable. Like, he's like, he's like, oh, you know, I've got, um, I've got, uh, you know, this basement. I've also got a kiln oven. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, the, yeah, my, no, my chimney's burning all night. Yeah. Of course there's no bodies in there. You know? What are you on about bodies? And it goes back to that whole, like I said, people investigating shit because the police don't. And I, 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 that always... But I'd like to point out that the I came by people were right because the police aren't allowed because of his friendship with the chief of police. So the, the retired judge gets away with it. Yeah. The there's... I came by people were right. <laughs> So I, the third act holds up. <laughs> I struggled with this. I struggled with it. I just thought it was meh. It was just, I was entertained in parts. I was bored in parts. If if, if the power had cut off I, and the next day, oh yeah, you got 20 minutes of that movie, I'd have gone, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I don't really need to finish it. I kind of figured it out. Yeah, I thought it was all right. Again, there was good bits and there was bad bits. Mm, they're my three, mate. You got any more? I've got one film and this film is why I saved it till the end. The film's so terrifying, audiences are passing out. They're puking in the cinema. It's 2022 and people are scared shitless about this film called Terror 2. Terrify 2. Terrify, that's the one, Terrify yeah. 2. So the, I, the, the clown thing. So I've seen the first one a few years ago. I saw it with my friend Kaylee um, and I. it was laughable. Mm. This second film, no story really to speak of. There's young teenage girls and Art the Clown is going to slice them up. People are talking about its high level of gore. And I've watched it. I've seen it. I've read about it. Do you know what, my friend? It's got a high level of gore. Yeah. It has. It's got very little story. It's splashed in blood. Art, the clown, goes around and kills people. So he's like a mime clown. So he's half, you know, he's painted two colours, black and white. Did, like no lips, disgusting teeth. Supernatural, because he starts, he dies at the end of the last film, so he's brought back to life by an imaginary friend that only he can see, and then at certain points, other characters can see. Because he's in quite a few, the characters in quite a few movies. Well, this is why I get confused about, because I, I, so this to me was an independent film, so I don't remember people talking about Terrify, the first one. The Terrify 2 is what everyone's talking about, but it, it's but, but been that, a while since it's been made. Art since the it came Clown out. was in a movie called The Ninth Circle in 2008 and was also in All Hallows' Eve in 2013. Oh, right. Then Terrify and Terrify 2. I think the, I, I don't it's know. It's kind of like a free free agent then. I don't know. I, so I, I knew what Terrify was because like Terrifier and now Terrify 2, um, there was this whole like... Um, Oh, people are passing out and all that well, kind of shit. And so I was like, oh, I remember the image of it and I remember seeing certain scenes in it. But yeah, I think the character has been around uh, right, yeah. for quite a while oh, in okay. different carnations and different versions. Right. So so what's really cool about this film is, and what I liked when I was listening to interviews, so I watched the film, wasn't, you know, it's very gory. It's got what I call zombie body disease. So you know in a zombie film, they just come up and they rip your arms off like mm. humans are made out of jelly. Like there's there's no physics or anything. Oh yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I he's like got this old eighties zombie. So movies, old eighties. Yeah. So everyone's basically made out of jelly. So art will come in, like just pull your face off. It's not for you. There's an incredibly vicious torture scene where he does many numerous things, which are disgusting and it's horrible. It's horrific. Gives it gives it gives a flavour. He chops off her arm, cuts her back off. Cuts her back off. 
Well, like slices about it, sorry. Um, like cuts her eyelids off, cuts half her face off, stabs. She's got one arm missing. Then he runs out of the room and then she's trying to drag along. He comes back in with vinegar and salt and salts mm. her body and stuff like that. Um, he mutilates lots and lots of different people. It's gore is the selling point. But it's an homage to the 80s. It's an homage to practical effects. There's no CGI. It's old school effects in a modern setting. Do you know what, mate? It, it works. It's really nice to see horror film go back to this kind of basic element of just gore. Mm. And then it got me thinking, oh my God, they've actually very clever. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's not necessarily the film. It's the people who make the film have actually done something clever. The whole audiences are passing out. People are vomiting in the cinema. What's that? That's a very 80s style of it's selling your film. A film yeah. So I reckon there's natural levels and that's what it is. It's actually a film that celebrates the past, which is actually a really good thing. And that's the point I want to talk about because the film's got very little redundancy in talking about. You know, the storyline's basic. It's verges on the supernatural because the main character's dad died and had a vision of this sword and it's the only sword that can kill out the clown. Yay. Um, it's just how many people is he going to kill before he gets his comeuppance at the end? And the clown's very creepy. The clown does this silent laugh thing, which is awesome. He genuinely is like, he cuts someone's face off and wears it as a face for a bit, you know, plays football. We've with, all been there. Yeah, plays football with their innards, you know, best mates with Hellraiser. Look mm. at this, being a head off skinned one. But then he'll do a silent laugh where you don't hear him laugh, but you hear him go for, or you see him go falling. It's, it's quite horrible. It's quite mm. terrifying. I think Art the Clown's. Think he's wearing someone else's face. <laughs> I imagine that is pretty. I like to point, I think Art the Clown's a very good villain. Mm and he doesn't say anything. And like, there's a scene where he gives out candy is Halloween in a decapitated head that he's hollowed out and put sweets in. But it, like the kids are complaining, Oh my, my sweets are too sticky. <laughs> it, it taste just, the brain. Taste the brain. Um, but I just like to think it's actually something more about how the film was made that I actually quite liked the, the kind of horror. Yeah. We were talking last week about the horror hammer creations and it's very horror hammer, horror hammer esque. If you ask me like loads of blood, you know, unrealistic amounts, blood splurting out everywhere. The, the kind of how they're selling the film as well is a bit old school. I quite like that it's different, mm. but I didn't want to get too much into it because it's not a good film. It's it's bad. But then again, it, it's got no storyline. It's got no character development. This guy's a clown. He kills people. <laughs> Terrifier too. Terrifier. Yeah. But 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 like I say, it was more of a, an engaging, I was quite interested in how they made the film and how they were selling the film. I like that. I can hand and heart say I will never watch this film. There is no need to. I don't think I'll ever be uh, in the, the mood. mood. Yeah. You know, but I just want to watch that film. And that's not to say that I don't like horror. I do. But this goes back to a theme that we've been saying for the last three weeks now. Is it's got to have, it's got to have something in there worth finding in a horror movie mm. that I can fight through the guts, gore, blood and violence to see a story, an inner turmoil, a struggle, a, you know, whatever it is that... A film that is just nasty for the sake of being nasty. I, I just, I think I'm so detached from thinking that I, that's something I want to, in my life at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, for me, horror's got to have something, an underlining story that makes it interesting and watch and this amongst doesn't. the gore yeah. and the booze and the scares. And this doesn't. No. This doesn't at all. Like I say, but it was, it was, it was nice. It was different mm. to see this un-CGI, practical effects driven film. But that was it. Don't get me wrong. I'm never going to watch this film again. I've seen it Until once. Until Terrified 3 comes out. I mean, probably, actually. I've seen all of them now, <laughs> so mm. maybe. There you go, Terrified 2. Not bad, not good, just a film. What's your film of the week? Easily, easily or quite on the Western Front. Yeah. So it wasn't even a, it wasn't, I mean, I'm haunted by those two and a half hours I watched. 
It felt it. It's been an eclectic week of film then, from Black Adam to uh, I Came By to Terrify 2 and uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. And, and, so, we start, and we start this whole conversation with Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, next week. I mean, I'm just saying now that at some point we have to do Pierce Brosnan and James Bond. Oh, we are, aren't we? They are on, they are on Amazon they now, are on aren't Amazon they? They are on Amazon now, yeah. I saw it earlier, that's why. I'm that's about. a weird thing, isn't it? Saying I'm not going to watch Terrified. I've got no time for that in my life. But I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll die another day. Let's go. <laughs> Let's watch these movies. Um, yeah, that's got to come up at some point, I guess. And Because November is that weird I mean, time, maybe we we can never decide what November is. So maybe November is franchise month that you've not watched. It's either that or fan, Fast and 20, whatever that's called, Fast and Furious, which, yeah. I'm, which I'm never going to watch. I, last year we did this, didn't we? November was like, what do you watch be, to yeah. bridge between Halloween and Christmas? And what are those movies? May, maybe it is Bond movies. Maybe I don't it's know. That's my Bond. Let's see if it's Pierce Brosnan Bond. <laughs> God, life is short, isn't it? Yeah. There's at least one good one in there. There is one, Bagsy. Bagsy God, life. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show for this week. If you've uh, downloaded it, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a review, and we'll see you next week for another episode of Sorry in My Seat. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.